0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. It's Friday morning. It's the NTT20 betting show, therefore. And it's actually the last of the season, which is... Yay! I was going to say, that's sad. And you've cheered. Sad. you've cheered. It is sad. George, how are you doing?
1: I'm alright. I slept very well last night, yes. so I'm, I'm happy. Uh, and I went for a run this morning, got friends coming to, uh, to have drinks this evening. It's just a lovely Friday and the sun's shining. So, just really happy with everything.
0: That's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard you be this positive. <laughs> I don't think I've
1: ever heard you be happy. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I think I'm lagging behind somewhat. I'm feeling a little bit uh, low on energy this morning. But I think partly that's because my my body, uh, as all good human bodies does, has evolved over the last few weeks to the new footballing normal, which in the EFL basically means like rest up in the morning because there's going to be games in the afternoon or the evening. Uh, I think it's the 25th of June, the last day we didn't have an EFL game. uh, And we're trying our best to watch them all. So uh, yeah, tricky, tricky times, but looking forward to the final weekend. It's not the final round of fixtures, though, uh, but it is a tricky slate, I'd say. So let's get our teeth into it. Before we start, uh, just a reminder that this podcast is for over 18s only. We'd ask that anyone who is listening and thinking about having a bet this weekend be gamble aware please understand the risks around gambling if you don't and you'd like to learn more head to begambleaware.org last week was not as not a classic not as good as as the the Jake Cooper weekend the weekend before um, Wigan didn't get up against Barnsley basically the only game in ages where they haven't impressed apart from that one at Brentford as well. Um, you did get Brentford up, um, Forrest. You also picked, couldn't hold on against Preston. Uh, I picked Luton double chances, my nap, and they won at Huddersfield. So that was really good. Although Harry Cornick did not score first and Murray Wallace didn't even start. So that 71 pick 70 to one pick rather was sort of, um, didn't even get going. Jason Pierce, uh, I did pick as well, first goal scorer, and he had two half decent headed chances. So don't be surprised if you hear his name later on on this podcast. George, uh, who are you picking as your nap in this championship docket? Hi, Ali. Um, <clears throat> my nap in the
1: docket. I really don't like it. I think I think maybe docket should end with this podcast oh. if that's okay. Yeah. End with this season. I mean, you made slate like a quite a cool thing, and now docket sounds just.
0: Yeah, I'm just don't trying like to it. mix um, it up, mate. It's always, we talk a lot. Constantly, we we are broadcasting a lot at the moment, and it's good to have different words for things. Otherwise, you just say the same words over and over again, and that's that can't be good broadcasting. That you've got to look. Bo- we for, both we've we got both to look for extra phrasing.
1: So much. We both say fascinating, amazing. You know, so why can't Slate be one of those words? Anyway, sitting on the docket of the bet, um, the Jesus. my nap is going to be Sheffield Wednesday draw no bet at Fulham. At nine to four, and you know, the un- the untrained eye might look at this and say, thinks to themselves, Well, Fulham are a team that are going to be in the playoffs soon, who are unbeaten in five, playing against the Sheffield Wednesday side, who have got nothing to play for.
0: And but what does the trained eye say? The trained eye, go, go and
1: listen maybe to the Going Up, Going Down podcast yesterday, and not often will talking about you know the administra- administrative side of the EFL maybe garner some value in the betting market. But Matt Slater yesterday from The Athletic came on, on going, going down and told us that even though we are anticipating the end of the championship season next Wednesday, we are anticipating relegation for three teams to be confirmed next Wednesday. He urged caution, saying this could rumble on because not only is Wigan's appeal currently pending, <clears throat> but... Derby and Sheffield Wednesday are still looking at a possible points deduction this season. And from what he said, the Sheffield Wednesday points deduction doesn't sound unlikely at all. Like, you know, he was saying there are certain, um, you know, owners and boardroom level people at clubs who are looking at the Sheffield Wednesday scenario, basically saying that a a points deduction has to happen and a hefty one of that. So looking at the championship table, you know the points deduction itself could be the same as uh, Birmingham last season. It could be nine. It could be twelve. It could be as much as I think as twenty-one. And Sheffield Wednesday are sitting on fifty-six points. Um, they are currently one point behind Wigan before the um, before the deduction. Wigan are odds on for relegation, despite the fact they've got Charlton away today. Wow. Uh, sorry, tomorrow I should say. So if Sheffield Wednesday hit with a twelve-point deduction, then they are really fighting for their lives here, and the performances we've seen in the last couple of games from from Wednesday, I would say support that. We saw them absolutely batter QPR away um, last weekend. They were similarly solid at the back, or they couldn't break down Huddersfield midweek in the nil-nil draw. And something tells me that they, that the players, something, not someone, just just looking at the the way it's going, especially on the back of those three defeats before. I, I don't think the players are necessarily, um, you know, I don't think they've checked out yet, if that makes sense. Mm. I think they're probably quite aware. Not that not that they are going to get a points deduction. I'm not saying that at all, but just that it's a possibility. Yeah, And they're coming up against the Fulham side, who in drawing with West Brom last time out, their automatic promotion hopes are pretty much dead and buried. With Brentford beating Preston, uh, their hopes of getting third are pretty much dead and buried as well. So if either of these two, two teams, even though Fulham have have a lot to play for in the season, if either of these two teams have down tools, I would argue it's Fulham. If either of these two managers are going to rest players, I would argue it's Fulham as well. And there's that annoying thing in the back of my head that just keeps telling me that Fulham just aren't that good, um, despite... As we always say, individuals. Sometimes it was, you know, Knockart was nearly the one who did it against West Brom with a couple of individual efforts. But again, if they'd won that game, it would have been down to basically a one-man defensive unit in Hector and then a one-man attacking band in Knockart. There doesn't seem to be much of a system um, to to play against. So, yeah, I mean, they're nine to four, draw no bet. Um, both sides have been keeping a lot of clean sheets recently. I think uh, in Fulham's last four, they've kept clean sheets, and Sheffield Wednesday's last two, they've kept clean sheets. So it could be a pretty low-margin game. Um, and yeah, I think Sheffield Wednesday will come into this probably as the team who who have the most to play for, and that might not be represented. But in Wednesday have been well backed. They've been well backed the last couple of times. But I think at nine to four, they represent some some decent draw no
0: bet value. You know how recently? I think me more than you. But often on this podcast, the phrase on the margins has been used. Mm. Well, I, I know that you do a lot of excellent work for BBC Radio 5 Live, That their, their rival sports radio station, the commercial radio station TalkSport. I think every listener who also listens to TalkSport will know the on the market advert that they have. And every time now you or I say on the margins, all I can think of is <laughs> on the margins, <laughs> <laughs> and I genuinely like it's affecting my day because pretty much every day I'm I'm trying to think about a championship match which I think will be on the margins, and then I've got that stuck in my head. So there you go. It's a bit like after that Wigan eight Hull nil game when I had the uh, da, 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 stuck in my head because they kept piping it into the empty stadium as sort of macabre goal music, uh, which the Hull players must be traumatised by. My nap this weekend... Um, I'm certainly not... I'm not on the beach. I'm definitely not sacking it off for the last weekend. But I would I'd like, love
1: to be on the beach.
0: But I would like to have a bit of fun. Uh, and given that it's a tricky docket, uh, I am... I'm, I'm napping up more of a concept than anything else. <laughs> um, and it's called the Nothing to Play for Overs... Uh, I'm picking Blackburn and Reading to go over 2.5 this weekend. Uh, it's 2.1 with Victor, 11 to 10 with uh, with Victor. And yeah, we I think we all know the sort of game this is. It it's the sort of game that's rarely remembered because it doesn't matter at all. And on the day itself, sometimes it's played in sunny conditions with a lot of fans at their last home game of the season, as it would be if Blackburn fans were allowed in. Party atmosphere and a load of players who, while I would never say anyone has checked out, uh, are are, enjoying themselves, I think it's fair to say, more than the normal championship fixture, which is tense and horrible. Um, Blackburn can no longer make the playoffs as of midweek. Reading can no longer make the playoffs, although they were a long way off anyway. But they also have no threat of relegation. Uh, They could get a top half finish. Don't know how much that would motivate individual players uh, or even a squad. I don't even know if that's the sort of thing you could have bonuses written into your contracts for. But I'm basically saying that there's no tension and no pressure on this game. And I think that this lends itself to a looser football match, a game with fewer tight margins uh, and basically... I want to uh, bet
1: <laughs> on the margin.
0: I just want to bet on the, uh, as I say, on the concept, on the circumstances of the, the nothing to play for overs. And it would be a, a fun way to finish the season if we could win a nap uh, with a, a goals galore Blackburn-Redding. I, the only thing I'm really worried about, I watched Reading-Charlton last weekend, and the Royals, Mark Bowen's Royals, went 1-0 up very early on thanks to a penalty. And. They had a couple of like counter-opportunities in the first half as Charlton came onto them. And then the second half, they just sat on the game. They just put everyone in the box, didn't send anyone forward. It was, I know that Reading fans are finding it intensely stressful watching them try and hold on to a lead, but that would be a bit of a disaster if Bowen's like, OK, let's just sit on this one if they do go ahead. But generally, I'm just hoping that this is like you know after exams finished when you're at school but you've still got a couple of days left just to sort of cross the t's and dot the i's and you're just buzzing for the summer and you just want to have a good time uh, you want to avoid injury and just get yourself there uh, and you don't really worry too much about the outcome so that's why what- i
1: love the idea of you walking around to school just trying just trying to avoid injury <laughs> there's <laughs> actually everywhere you're walking like, stay away from people stay away from the walls no tripping no one wants Amazing. to head into
0: the summer with a with a metatarsal <laughs> or a twisted ankle or you know something like that um so there you go Oh for 2.5 in blackburn reading that's my nap this weekend it might not seem serious because so, i've chuckled I'm, a lot while i talked you through it but i'm very serious about it
1: but i um so basically for the midweek games i had a similar theory where i looked at the matches and i saw there were quite a few uh, either dead rubbers or games between sides who so had lots to play for, and nothing to play for. So I bought goals on the spreads for the whole weekend, for the whole midweek. Mm-hmm. How and did that go? And Well, I mean, I thought in the se- given the second game was eight nil, I thought I was looking pretty good, <laughs> and and I, and I lost money. Oh, so no. um, yeah, a word of, I mean, that was it was an unbelievably frustrating Tuesday afternoon, where we're going to just put eight past um, past Hull. There were like seven, six or seven goals in the first half of the of the of the later games. And then there was one goal in the second half of right. the four late games. So the, basically was,
0: the opposition to my pick is that it might just peter out because no one cares. Well, I don't know.
1: It was it was one of those things where I had notifications on my phone for all four games. And I kept like, having to check they were on because so I was like, this is just, <laughs> this,
0: this is rubbish. Live scores down, guys. Live scores down. Yeah. I hate <laughs> yeah. to say it. Um, okay. Well, talk me through your next pick, please. Um,
1: my next pick. Charlton, if a, a certain Charlton assistant manager, if, if he's um, if he's listening, will be delighted to hear, is is Wigan at Charlton. Um, very sorry to, to do this. Um,
0: Who are you sorry to? Wigan fans or Charlton fans?
1: Uh, Charlton, no, just Charlton staff only. I okay. don't care about Charlton fans. Okay. Um, Charlton, I have a lot of sympathy for because I think they deserved a lot more than the one point they've got from their last two games. Um, and they have been... You know, really impressive since the break. However, they have lost three of their last four. And they're coming up against the Wigan side who, you know, we've mostly spoken about how everything went their way on Tuesday. And, and I'm not, you know, that 8-0 win cannot, in your head, when you're thinking about a team's form, cannot go down in your head as an 8-0 win. It was a dominant victory. You know, it was probably a 2 or a 3-0 on, on a normal day. Um, and that's the way to think about it. However, in the in the grander scheme of things, They've kept 10 clean sheets in their last 11. I mean, that is just (laughs) different level form. They have also, given they've turned around their form since the Brentford defeat, they are second in the table for 2020 behind Brentford. So you've got kind of 17, 18 odd games there where they have been the second most successful team in the league. And then you've got to add on to this the undoubted impact, positive impact now that the off-field issues are having on the club where Paul Cook is quite clearly, um, you know, it could have gone two ways. They could have either really struggled to bounce back or they could have, you know, rallied together as a group who feel like they've been hard done by, feel like they've been cheated, feel like their you know, their performances, their achievements this season have been undercut. And it looks like the the second has happened. You know, I keep thinking to myself: if this Wigan side do get relegated, which I, I don't think they will, I think they're gonna. I mean, I, I think they're gonna win quite clearly um, tomorrow. It's why I'm picking them here, and I think they've got a massive chance of doing so against Fulham as well next week. Um, but if they do get relegated, you're you're basically getting a, a genuine mid-table um, Championship side getting relegated. I mean, mid-table at worst, like they, you know, they're over the season at mid-table, but their actual form. Is, is of a you know a top six side mm. getting relegated. I mean, it's. I don't want to digress too much, but if you take, and I'm not saying this in any way bitterly, because those who listen to the, you know, the, the aftermath show, but it's quite amazing. It, you know, if you look at Wickham's results in League One in 2020 and Wickham's results in the Championship in 2020 and think that they're going to be changing places, something just seems pretty extraordinary about that. Um, and you have to feel sorry for them. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that it's going to be really tough for Charlton to... Um, to break them down, as every team except for Brentford has, has found so far, and Charlton have found it difficult breaking down other sides as well. You mentioned Mark Bowen's Reading, they, they couldn't score there, although they had their chances to. Only one at, at Birmingham, who've been conceding goals for fun as well. So, I mean, they, they've been well backed. They were about, I think, about six to four um, straight after the eight nil. They're now 11 to 10, best price. Um, but I still think that's a, a, a bit of value there, and, and they're still being a little bit underestimated given how good they've been.
0: You know I like first goalscorer picks more than anything else in the punting world. In the world, I thought. So, annoyingly, this fixture's chucked up two of my current favourites. So, I'm going to have a small dart on on a couple here. Uh, One of them would be very good for your selection. Jamal Lowe, uh, I think that if you look certainly at the underlying numbers, even if you look at shot volume, which isn't always the right way of doing things, but just in terms of who's actually taking Wiggins' shots, uh, then certainly since the return of football, uh, Jamal has actually been one of the most consistent goal threats in the championship. Uh, he's 8-1 to one to score first here. Because of big Kiefer playing up top in the 4-2-3-1, uh, he, he obviously gets priced up shorter than Jamal. But I think that Lowe is actually the more consistent goal threat. Uh, so I'm picking Jamal Lowe, first goal scorer, 8-1. On the flip side, and just because I picked him last week, he had two pretty good headed chances, Jason Pierce, in that game uh, that I watched. The Charlton, who was it? You've just mentioned it. Charlton lost one nil to Reading. That's it. Ding. Pierce had two, you know, two quite good headed chances there. So that only gives me more enthusiasm that everything I said last week about, you know, a, a huge proportion of Charlton's goal scoring opportunities coming from set pieces, and in my opinion, Pierce being the biggest threat. Uh, that 40 to one is a good price that I'm going to keep hammering. Um, well, I say keep hammering. There's only two games left of the season, but hopefully might get a little bit of you know s- similar vibe to Jake Cooper out of it. Um, so I'm going to have half a half a point on Jason Pierce uh, and Jamal Lowe uh, is eight to one. Pierce 40 to one. So that's my Charlton Wigan. I think we I think we both are we both picking Cardiff next. Are you picking Cardiff or am I picking Cardiff? I mean I'm definitely uh, picking Cardiff, but are you also picking Cardiff?
1: I'm not picking Cardiff. Okay,
0: well tell me who you are picking.
1: I'm picking Millwall. Oh, nice. This is going to be one of those quick ones. They're 11 to 10. They are very good at, well, they're very solid defensively at the moment. Riawa has sorted them out from the, from some not a great form after the break. Uh, they are the side I think most likely to break into the top six if Cardiff slip up. Um, they're playing against the QPR side who've been pretty woeful. Uh, they managed to nick a point against Luton last time, but there wasn't much of an improvement they are certainly a side who I think have, have, have clocked off. Mm. Um, and they're coming up against a side who, have, you know, they are seriously clocked on. Uh, and when this Millwall side, um, it's, it's kind of hard to think of a team, I think, who would better exploit a side who aren't really putting it in than this Millwall team, because they are um, very much in your face and they have the, uh, the tools to break you down, both with pace, uh, with uh, Jed off the right, or through set pieces as well. Um, and QPR's defense uh, hasn't been as porous as maybe it has been previously in the season recently. Although they did lose three 0 at Sheffield Wednesday last time at Loftus, um, but I think I think Mill will have the you know have enough about them here to to get the result. So eleven or ten
0: wall. I'm going to be getting greedy there for sure. and backing Millwall and unders there, and the one 0 and the two 0 uh, I think yeah. if, if and when they go ahead, they're not yes. the sort of team that tend to extend hugely, but they are. Very good at holding on. Just the three goals uh, in seven games for QPR since the return. Not there a deal that. I am picking and, Cardiff, as hinted at there. They're, as we record, dish. best price 2.75 to beat Middlesbrough. Um, and I think that's a fair price. I'll start with Borough. I'm 99.9% sure that Middlesbrough are safe. And I actually wasted quite a lot of time this morning because I saw... Mark Taylor, who is a, well among many things a, a, a data expert um, in the sort of Ben Mayhew experiment, experimental 361 vein, he, he works for InfoGoal and he's been tweeting after every round of fixtures the sort of probability chances of, of teams finishing in either top two or three to sixth mid, you know, and then the middle part of the table or the bottom three. Obviously, it's been changing quite a lot the probabilities based on the results. And I I saw this morning that Huddersfield were 100 to avoid relegation, 100% safe. So then I went on the worldfootball.net championship calculator where you can, if you have enough time, predict every result and see what that makes, well, see what happens to the table. And, yeah. I mean, I don't think, it's definitely not 100% that Middlesbrough are safe. Uh, there are There is a selection of results, unbelievably improbable results, um, <laughs> that, that could see them go down. They basically would need, most likely, Wigan to lose their games. And whoever wins out of Luton and Hull this weekend would need to win again on final day. So Luton are playing, um, Leeds and Hull are playing Cardiff. Uh, and they'd need Huddersfield, who are three or two points below them, to get above them. And Birmingham as well, who are below them on goal difference. It's, it's so unlikely. Middlesbrough are 99.9% safe. I just wanted to illustrate the point that I'd wasted like half an hour of my time this morning um, trying to work that out. They, they've. Um, thank, thank you very much. They've done enough under Warnock. I think that's that's the first thing to say. Three wins and three defeats in six games. Nine points in six. That's a good enough record to get them away from the situation he walked into where they had just been humped 3-0 by some swans, some angry swans. And, um, and they were in the relegation zone. So first of all, well done because they panicked and I understand why they panicked and the change was the right thing to do. You have to say that now. I don't know if Warnock will be there next season. I don't actually think they've been that good under him. And you don't need to be that good to to just lift yourself away from the relegation places. Uh, but I've watched quite a few of their games. And maybe this is the Warnock way. Maybe I'm just being a bit stupid here. But the games that they've won have been very tight. And they've had a couple of those defeats where they've been really, really poor. Um, I think that Cardiff have the edge in the motivational side here but I also just think they're the better side and I I I think the fact that Middlesbrough have lost their home games and won their away games since their return is probably a little bit a bit noisy and the sort of thing you could get carried away with but in terms of home advantage in general in the championship I don't know George and maybe you do what is a big enough sample size but since the return uh, of the championship 29 home wins 33 away wins and 22 draws so more away wins than home wins it's not necessarily enough to say, well, that home team, um, you know, to, to lean towards every home team. But I think it's enough to to reduce home advantage. Um, and I think Cardiff are the better side in this game. So at 2.75, I think that uh, that's a very fair price. And I'll be picking Cardiff to win. I'm also in this game going to have half a point uh, on Dale Fry of Middlesbrough to score the first goal. Uh, he's 80-1. Dale Friesey. 80 to 1. Uh, he's clearly one Ooh. of. He's clearly a favourite of Warnock. He's played every minute since Warnock took charge in the heart of the defence, where previously he's been moved around a bit, played right back at times. Um, he is at the heart of Warnock's defence. He's very tall. Not as tall as Jake Cooper, but he's very tall. Uh, he's had a shot in each of the last three games. One of them, well, all of them were from or following set plays. Uh, and two of them were, I would say, good chances. Not sort of, he should have scored their chances. But, oh, actually, one of them definitely was. So I think at 80 to 1, you know, I'm always looking for your, your 66s and your 80s that I just think are a bit wrong. And I think this is one of them. So I'll be having a little dart at Dale Fry, uh, first goal scorer at 80 to 1. And if I didn't have the Dale Fry, Jason Pierce double, George 10p on that, what would I be doing? That would be, be the wrong thing to do. It would be,
1: in. imagine if they both scored first, you didn't have the double. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, so yeah, I'm expecting this game basically to be one big set piece. So if Dale can can get on the end of one early doors... Imagine could, could be imagine that
1: game where you just turn, you arrive, you all sit down and then it's just one corner and you go, that'd be it. One big set piece. There you go. Everyone I've, goes forward. That'd be fine so, by me as long as cause it's... Because it, it has to be big. So I, I don't know how else you'd make a set piece big. Just
0: one big set piece. Uh, have you got any other picks? I've done so many <laughs> random ones as we've gone. I think I've run out here. Yeah, you like
1: that tipster he will write his tips and just put those little ones at the bottom yeah. so you can call back on it. Exactly. Um I know you hate that. Uh yeah, James Collins score first at five to one each way with bet three six five. Um in Hull against Luton. Um you know, I think we can given what happened in the week now I fancy Luton to win this anyway, no surprises there, but given what happened in the week, if Luton were to go ahead early. I don't think we could really blame Hull if, if it goes a bit out of control again. Um, and for games like that, where you fancy the, you fancy one team to win, you think it could get you know. I mean, I would the other thing—the
0: that... the other thing is, if Hull go ahead early, you wouldn't, to the same extent as if Luton go ahead early, think oh, that's that. Then. No, they'll just uh... definitely not, definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, and I, I, you know, you get as many
1: goals as you want with three, six, five, and I just think that. There's a chance it could it could go um, it could spiral, let's say, and if it did spiral, um, I think Collins would certainly find his way onto the score sheet. He'll be on pens um, as well. He's on pens, and he's the most likely scorer anyway for Luton. So, um, yeah, not particularly. It's not rocket science, but you get a profit if he scores, and you get a lot of profit if he if he um, if he scores first. So, James Collins five to one FGS. Okay, each way five to one
0: for the last time uh, in the. Extended 2019-2020 season. Let's recap our bets for the final betting show. Uh, my nap is the nothing to play for overs experiment. Blackburn Reading over 2.5, uh, 11 to 10 with Victor. I'm also picking Cardiff to beat Middlesbrough at 2.75 in that game. A small dart uh, at, on Dale Fry, first goal scorer at 80 to one. And in the Charlton-Wigan game, which you've also talked about, I'm backing Jamal Lowe, first goal scorer at 8-1, to and smaller stakes on Jason Pearce at 40-1. to Those are my picks this week. What about your good self? I am picking...
1: My nap is Sheffield Wednesday, drawing a bet at Fulham, uh, backing Wigan to beat... so many so many away wins again, isn't it? Uh, Wigan to beat Charlton. Um, my third one is Millwall to beat QPR. And then my bonus is James Collins, first goal scorer each way. 5 to 1, Luton at
0: Hull. Well, I'm excited by how excited you were about the weekend beginning. So you get yourself away, enjoy your Friday in the sun with friends. I'll be in a dark room watching EFL football, no doubt. And, I, I, um, I'll, I'll be doing that too, 5.30. <laughs> Thank you very much. And um, and go out. And, and what a pleasure it's been to, uh, to join you on a betting show this season. Uh, an emotional... Farewell to this podcast for, well, a a few weeks at least.